Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. Pleasure to be with you this week. You know, through the course of this month, you know, we started the month talking about make a difference to children, and then we've been talking about getting into what I refer to as the sandwich generation. And when I'm talking about the sandwich generation, what I'm really referencing is the fact that many of us have people in our lives that we love and care about um, that kind of put us in the middle. And, you know, the people that are in our lives can be our children from, you know, when they're born up till, you know, you know, when they're in their 20s. And, you know, it's interesting as a client of mine recently said, Frank, you're only as happy as your least happy child, which is really a true statement, which is you always want your kids to be happy. And then the other side of that, you know, when I talk about the sandwich generation is really dealing with aging parents. And here we are in the middle and trying to make sure everybody's okay. You know, with that in mind, you know, uh, Jesus tells us to love one another. Bible also tells us that, you know, know the state of your flocks. And so what we're going to talk about today is a little bit about what we can do in order to, you know, kind of protect our parents, make sure they're okay, and just dealing with some of the elder issues. And with that in mind, I reached out to a good friend of mine, a gentleman who has a real, a great insight in the financial industry of what occurs in the markets, things of that nature. And he's, you know, a frequent guest on our show. So I invited my friend Peter Grandich of Trinity Financial Sports and Entertainment Management. He's also the author of you know, the Confessions of a Wall Street Wizard to be with us today. So, Peter, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Welcome. Always a pleasure to be here, Frank, and someone that's experiencing both uh, taking care of a 93-year-old mother and also a 22-year-old daughter. I think I can at least speak a little bit to it. Well, and, and that's why I said is, you know, the two of us have, you know, some similarities there. You know, unfortunately, over the years, my, my parents have passed, my in-laws have passed, you know, but, you know, in dealing with them, you know, as they were getting older and they had needs, and then also having, you know, children that, you know, I'm finally at a point where, you know, two of mine are married off, and I've got my youngest one who's still with us and, you know, is coaching my wife and I on life, you know, as, you know, as we're going forward. So, you know, she's a great friend and always great to have with us. So with that in mind, you know, there's a lot of different things that come out as we deal with parents. And when I say with parents is, is one of the biggest things that I always say is, is that, you're, you're talking about someone typically who's, I'm going to say, in their 60s, 70s, and up, and it's someone who has great wisdom and insight. And sometimes their faculties are 100%, and sometimes their faculties, as far as their memory and everything else, start to drop off. And it's very hard to have spent 60, 70 years or more being totally independent to all of a sudden, now they want you to actually start getting more involved and being a part of their life. And it gets a little awkward at times. I don't know, Pete, if, if you've experienced that, but they want to control and yet we want to help them, but yet we don't want to overstep our bounds. So there's a balancing act that goes on. Sure. My mom worked to her mid eighties. She lived basically on her own till then. She spent a few years with my sister and then, uh, we needed to take her in. So the first thing my wife and I did is we actually moved to a 55 and old community, not for ourselves, but to take in my mother at the time, which was about 88 or she was 88 years old at the time, because A, they have an apartment, a room on the first floor, it's much easier, convenient. But then after a couple of years with us, we got to the point where you had to seek out assistant living, and she's been in an assistant living place now since she was 89, she's going to be 93. And so I witnessed all that, and I've also seen a person that was in total control of her own self to a point now where she's almost to a point where it's like having a three to four or five year old child. You know, what's interesting is um, earlier this week, um, I have a longtime client of mine. Uh, her son had reached out to me, and it was one of those of, you know, he said, hey, Frank, you know what? 
you know, my mom's now in assisted living, uh, early signs of dementia and so forth. And, you know, it, it's kind of breaks your heart when you go and you see them because you remember them the way that they were and all of a sudden you see them kind of regressing. And, you know, the, the scary thing is, and it's a, a common thing, and which is why we're doing this show, is, you know, in this particular case, there's three children. And what happens out of the three children, it falls on one, sometimes none, uh, of what's going to happen. When, what you want to do is, you know, the greatest thing I've, I've found for a parent is, is that they want their children to get along. You know, they want to see that they have that happy life. You know, it's interesting is if you think in terms of a movie, you know, the end of a movie is where they're celebrating at the end. So when you think in terms of someone who's lived their life, they've accomplished whatever they've accomplished, they feel pride in what they're doing, the last thing that they want to see is the family falling apart at the end. You know, it's kind of like I did all this and everything I did, I wanted to work. And so that happens when there's no planning in place and when there's a lack of communication, meaning that the family's not having that open dialogue a little bit or where you don't have someone that step up, steps up and says, I'll take responsibility for this. But then even in doing that is like, Peter, I knew you have a sister. Right. But like when you take responsibility for that, you don't want to ha- take blame on a decision that you're going to make. Same as I didn't want to with, you know, I had, well, I have a brother and three sisters. So it's always one of those of that balancing act is how do you work kind of as a team or if you're going to head the team that nobody's going to get offended that you're trying to take control. Or even worse, in my cases, my mother had a falling out with my sister. That's why she had to leave. And there has not been a good time since then. And that, you believe it or not, it's one of the things I hear a lot from people is the difficulty of parents and whether kids get along or not to take them. But then they have different ideas. One don't want mom in a place like that. One, it, it becomes so, extremely difficult. And you know, so, and by the way, if you know, as our listeners, if you're, you know, on the other end of this, which is you happen to be the elder person that's listening to the show, and you're in your sixties or seventies or even higher, my suggestion to you is is communication with your children and letting your intentions be known is really the key while you have all your faculties and you know. Because once it's your decision and it's really a matter of your children and people who love you and care about you just helping to implement your intention, that's really the key for everybody to get along. And it's like in everything else in life that if you wait till the need becomes great, it's almost certain it's too late to do the most best things that you could possibly it's do. A, it's a fire drill. And right. then what happens once you're a fire drill, you don't necessarily know if you even got the right person or whatever the case might be. So let's just you know address some of the things that are, are going to take time or that's going to occur. And the first thing I always say is, is that you need to spend a little time on this, which is don't ignore it. You know, there's you know a, a term out there, which is hubris, which means excessive pride. And we would all like to always think in our lifetime that it's not going to be me. It's going to be somebody else. You know, it's like when you go to a thing and they're going to say, well, you know, 40% of the population or 50% of the population will need some type of elder care or elder care help or might be in a facility. You look at the person next to you and go, boy, I feel sorry, sorry for you because right. it's going to be you and it's going to be the other one. It's not going to be me. So what I'm going to tell you is, is that God willing, it's not you. But if it is you, let's plan for it. Let's put the time in to do it. So the first thing I would say is, is to spend time talking about finances because a lot of this comes down to money. It, it almost always does because the end result, it, it's different. Let's face facts. And two generations ago, there weren't assistant living facilities. The family was set up where there was three generations living in a house and somebody took care of it. That's not the way it, society is anymore. 
Pete, it's when you say that too. It's like that's because it's the sandwich generation because right. you're trying to balance. You know, we have such active lives ourselves. We're involved in our kids' lives right throughout, and now we have our parents. And so that balancing act, nobody, you know, two workers. You know, the old style was dad worked, mom stayed home. Those things don't exist anymore. You know, it, it, it reminds me, it just popped into my head as we're talking about this, is, you know, that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Right. You know, with the grandmother that's Absolutely, roaming around yeah. the neighborhood and so <laughs> forth, that it was the old Greek one where they were like, oh, your mother's on the loose again. You know, and it's one of those of years ago it was that. Now it's one of those of there's facilities to do it, but those facilities have a cost. Uh-huh. And the cost is significant as it relates to that, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but... You know, what I say is is that you got to address the financial side of this. And when we talk about the financial side is you have to do what I refer to as a, you know, you got to do a financial statement. And you've really got to look at the financial statement on two areas, which is really taking a look at what are your assets and what are your liabilities, where do you stand? And, you know, in doing that, you know, I'll just talk a little bit about the case that I was on this week. And the reason why I talk about cases is these are real life. Um, When I got the call from the client, you know, they basically told me, you know, mom has X amount of dollars and, you know, she also has a house. So I didn't realize that she was out of the house until I got to the appointment and they were telling me what was going on. But, you know, when I looked at it and they just told me how many dollars there were, um, it looked like mom was going to be out of money in about 10 years. So she's 80 years old, you know, life expectancy, you know, isn't necessarily 90, but if she made it to 91, she would have been out of money. And all of a sudden, the conversation came up of what about the house and the house is going to be sold. All of a sudden, mom went from being out of money, you know, in 10 years to mom's going to have enough funds to take care of whatever type of cost she's going to have. So what I always say is that we have to look at that. And what we got to look at are those assets and liabilities to find out what resources are available for the care of mom or dad, whoever it is, to make sure that they're going to have the lifestyle and the care that they're going to need. And, 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 you know, I had to do that, and it was it was an education, and I'm a man that supposedly comes with some financial background and so forth and so on, and some of the, the – it was it was overwhelming, I must tell you. And so I can only imagine someone that doesn't live and breed finances what it must be like when they have to go out there and see this. Well, you know, once you get past, you know, figuring out what you have, then it's the question of what's it going to cost. And, I mean, there's all different types of care. There's care where people are actually coming to the home and taking care of someone. Um, That comes with a price. And then there's the care of the actual assisted living, which is, you know, the one that I saw this week. I mean, that number was like 5,000 a month. Oh, well, that's exactly it. And it can be as high as seven or eight. And the other thing that's one thing should be noted is there is some flexibility. Don't go under the false assumption that the number they give you is the number. Uh, they they do make deals and they do put packages together and you do obviously you need an attorney then to make sure the contract's driven up but there isn't it's not a cookie cutter plan there is some room in that but it, there's no doubt about it it costs we start at five thousand and work up for for what I think most people would want to be at minimum acceptable for their parents and so when we're thinking in terms of you know what that minimum standard is going to be and so forth now it gets into what I refer to as Okay, so where should the money be? And when I say where should the money be is, you know, there's a lot of investment advisors out there. And, you know, when I say that is, and, you know, it's nothing against them, but the financial industry, unfortunately, a lot of times the training that people get in finance are as they get what I refer to as sales training and product training, which is they go through a process of how to sell their products and where their products fit and then how does their product work. 
but that's not necessarily financial training. Right. And a lot of times we don't know the difference when that person's in front of us. In other words, the person shows up dressed in a nice suit, wearing a tie, sounds smart, good appearance, speaks well, and we assume that they know all about finance where the reality is is maybe they just know about products. So one of the things that I always say is, is to make sure that you know who you're dealing with and that's a you know big issue in this, which is as you're dealing with different advisors and so forth, you need to know what the team of professionals are that your parents have in place and what's their background and what are their capabilities. I mean, Pete, you, know, you wrote a book, you know, Confessions of a Wall Street Whiz Kid, and you talk about you know, what actually goes on in the money world, and it's not pretty. And, and including some of my own things where I know now, compared to just 15 years ago, what I thought I knew then really wasn't as much as I really needed to know, and I made some terrible mistakes because of that. So, and you know, Pete's a humble guy, and you know, in telling us this, and you know, that's why you know, it's Confessions of the Wall Street Whiz Kid. But it's one of those of there's a lot of people that don't know what they don't know. Correct. And so, what I always encourage people is make sure that you're getting the right advice there, and that you're actually getting financial insight that allows you to see what's going on. A big seller right now on the marketplace is there's a lot of people that are pushing annuities. And the downside of the annuity sometimes is that people give up, gave up their capital. So when they're giving up that capital and all of a sudden they had two or three or $400,000 and they exchange that for some income for the rest of their life, that might not be enough money to take care of these assisted livings and so forth of whatever they're going to need. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, I didn't realize that the product worked that way. So part of our message to people is really a couple things, which is know the team that you have in place and what are their capabilities. Do they know what they know or they claim to know? The second thing is, is be careful of products that the suitability of the product is suitable for your parents or for yourself. And when I say that, um, it doesn't mean that you should put 100% of your money in the bank. I mean, that's going nowhere. You know that that's not going to last at all. I mean, the banks are paying 1%. So there's going to be some element of risk in any asset holdings that you have if you're going to own equities or whatever the case might be. But you have to assess what's the risk tolerance that you have. So, Pete, any insights that you might share on that as far as on you know, where they're placing money? Yeah, again, I, I think we're in, we're, in, we're in a place where there's all different types of people. Earnings are all chasing yield because of what's happened to interest rates and are, are getting involved in products. When you talk about hottest products now, one of the hottest products for income people now are, are packaged auto loan sales. They're packaging auto loans where 65% of the people are in it for five or more years, so the car is worth less than the package, and they're selling the so-called income stream of that because you know some of these people are still paying 6 8 9% because the credit isn't good. So even if you do hear a number and somebody's, wow, 7 8%, I can get my mother through things. Be cautious. If somebody's offering you 7 8% in a 1% bank environment, there's some substantial risk for that. You know, you know, it's interesting is when you say that is, is you know, it's a shame when people take equity-like risk but they don't get equity-like returns. You know, so when you're buying you know, loans and things of that nature and you're taking the risk but you don't get the, the payment on that, that's the scary part. So you know, in looking at that, just know what your risk tolerance is. Know actually, you know, there's a saying, if it sounds too good to be true. It's too good to be true. It, it, you, it, it, it is. is. And so what I tell you is, is that that's how you know, over the years, you know, when you had the Madoff scandals and everything else, it was people heard what they wanted to hear, assumed because this guy's supposedly a professional that he's going to deliver, and that's how people lose their money and they get hurt financially. So I would just say is, you know, watch the suitability, do the assessment of the cash flow, 
understand what you have, assets and liabilities, what assets do you have to work with, and you got to get to a professional that knows what they have. Then the other side of that is, is you have to also look at what's the financial impact, especially not just on children, but what if there's a spouse? So if the surviving one, unfortunately, passes, yeah. what happens? So if you have husband and wife, and they're both elderly, and one of them needs care, and all of a sudden the resources has to go to take care of that other person, I'm going to tell you it's very tight. You know, with that in mind, I always say that, you know, everybody needs to have a long-term care plan. The plan may be insured, but there needs to be a plan in place. So for all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Our guest today, Peter Grandich of Trinity Finance, Sports and Entertainment Management. This has been your host, Frank Congelos. And just, you know, the insight as we wrap up today is communication, understand what you have, And beyond that, I wish you all a truly blessed week. If you have any questions, you could write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, or email us at info at ifrw.com.